Welcome to the Swinging Wake Podcast. We are your grim grinning hosts, Alex and Chris, here to talk about Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion and other Disney happy haunts. Come with us on this journey into regions beyond. I'd like to start out this episode with recent news from the Haunted Mansion and around the resort. A new honorary cast member inspired name tag pin is now available at the Disneyland Resort. Among the three new designs, you can find an honorary princess pin, honorary pirate pin, and an honorary ghoul pin. These new pins retail for $12.99 and can be found at select shops at the Disneyland Resort, including World of Disney and the Emporium. Yeah. So, Chris, have you taken a look at these new pins yet? I have not, but I'm assuming we're going to put the link in the show notes, correct? Yeah. So I, the reason I ask you, because obviously you are a cast member and I just want you to like, I don't know, like see how these kind of relate. I, I saw like a side by side photo of like a normal cast member pin or um, name tag next to these pins. And they're really cool. I know DL Weekly discussed this, I believe, on their last episode, but I'm with Teresa on this. I really want one of the honorary ghoul pins. Yes, I think that would be really cool. I haven't seen them yet, but out of those three, I would definitely go for the honorary ghoul pin as well. Yes, for sure. Although I'm not a pin collector, admittedly. I do not collect pins. I just, I didn't really want to go down that road because I knew I would end up spending so much money on it and I cannot spend money like that on merch with how often I go to the parks. I would rather spend it on food. <laughs> no, it's it's honestly an addiction. I back during um I guess it was pre-COVID, I was super addicted to pins. I have like a whole Mickey-shaped corkboard of pins. And then like during COVID and then after COVID, I kind of was like, this is has to stop a little bit. So now I just collect, I guess specifically Haunted Mansion pins. You got to kind of narrow it down or you're gonna collect everything. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Speaking of pins, a new Disneyland-themed Lands pin set has arrived at the Disneyland Resort. The four lands, Fantasyland, Toontown, New Orleans Square, and Tomorrowland, are available. Fantasyland features the Cheshire Cat in a Mad Tea Party teacup. Toontown has Mickey, Minnie, and Pluto in the car from Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. New Orleans Square has the Hatbox Ghost in Haunted Mansion. And Tomorrowland displays a little green alien in an attraction vehicle, from Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. The pin set retails at $34.99. And speaking of more pins, the Haunted Mansion Character Connection Mystery Pin Collection is now available. This new pin collection is limited to 650 and contains 10 pins to complete the set. Each package comes with one pin. The pins are in the shape of a puzzle piece and connect to one another. Retail price is $19.99 and can be found at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Yeah, these pins are pretty unique. I kind of hesitate, though, when I have like the blind bag or I guess mystery bags because, you know, you got to keep collecting them to complete the set. Um, I'm just looking right now at the show notes and it looks like the characters featured would be, uh, you know, Victor Geis, um, the portraits, the stretching room portraits, Madame Leota. Constance looks like she has an evil look on her face. Um, we have the knight from the hallway, it looks like. We have a couple uh, ghosts dancing in the ballroom. We have the coffin in the conservatory. We have the caretaker at the graveyard with his dog, and then also the hitchhiking ghosts. 
That sounds really nice. But yes, I agree with you. The mystery is the part that scares me because then you don't know what you're getting and you have to keep collecting. And what if you get a duplicate? Then you have to try to trade with somebody. Well, long story short, I don't do like the mystery ones anymore. I don't do like a set thing anymore because long story short, I did like these. I forgot what it was called. It was like these emerald like diamond, whatever kind of pin set. And I collected all of them, but there's one left that I don't have in my set. And on eBay, it's going for like $200 and I'm not going to spend $200 on a pin. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't like the reselling that happens on eBay. Not a fan of yeah, that. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, definitely. A new Haunted Mansion Tiki mug collection is coming to Beeline Creative. This company is well known for their geeky tikis. The collection of four Tiki mugs is available for pre-order online through the company's website. The company released four designs, the Haunted Mansion exterior with the hitchhiking ghost, Madame Leota, and the opera singer ghost, and the 13th hour grandfather clock. The Tiki mugs retail for $37.99, but the Haunted Mansion mug with the hitchhiking ghost is going for $39.99. The Tiki mugs are available on June 15th, 2024. Check out the link in the show notes to purchase your new Tiki collection. I really am interested in the opera singer one. Oh, really? Because the one yeah. I was looking at was probably, I mean, I mean, I'd have to get the exterior of the mansion with the ghost, but I really like the grandfather clock one. That one looks really unique, I think. I don't think I'd ever seen a tiki mug shaped like that. The Haunted Mansion in Tokyo Disneyland recently reopened after refurbishment to a slightly changed introduction. The phrase, ladies and gentlemen, has been removed to be more inclusive to different genders. The new phrasing simply says, welcome to the Haunted Mansion. In the United States, the term welcome foolish mortals is said. This change is one of many to include different genders throughout all the domestic and international Disney parks. I like it. And it's on theme. It's the way that it should probably have been from the beginning. That's Yeah, I mean, I, I love how like it's not even Disney, but everyone's being more inclusive with the different genders. I've even been, you know, changing my wording at work to include, you know, all genders. I think it's a great thing that Disney's doing and how it's going through all the parks, not just, you know, international, but also domestic parks as well. Right. And and from a cast member standpoint, it's one of the keys for a cast member. So inclusivity is the fifth key. It was recently added I think it's important for the company to be inclusive of all genders. No, exactly. I 100% agree with you on that. Well, registration for the 2024 Run Disney Disneyland Halloween Half Marathon Weekend has already sold out. The Yoga in Front of Sleeping Beauty Castle, the 5K, 10K, and Thrills and Chills Challenge sold out almost immediately, and the Half Marathon sold out within the first 30 minutes. I can happily say that I not only got into the Thrills and Chills Challenge, but also was able to secure the 5K as well. And I want to, again, shout out to James over at Concierge. He helped me get into all the races. And he was very, uh, he knew how anxious I was. So he was texting me the night before and the morning of, you know, just telling me like, hey, I'm getting ready for it. So thank you, James, over at Concierge. Again, we'll put his information in the show notes. And if you're interested, you can head over to concierge.com. And of course, it wouldn't be a Disney event without tons of new merchandise. Run Disney has given us a first look at merchandise that will be available at the Half Marathon Weekend Expo. Those that registered were able to pre-order the merchandise. The Haunted Mansion was heavily featured throughout all the merchandise. The Hotbox Ghost can be seen running on the Race Weekend water bottle. The Hitchhiking Ghosts are featured on all 10K merchandise. And the Magic Key Bundle includes a Spirit Jersey, Magnet, Pin, 
and shirt featuring different Haunted Mansion characters. Check out the link in the show notes for details on all the merchandise. At this point, me and Alex want to share a few a few little bits of news with you. So at the end of March, we are going to be taking a trip together. Alex, do you want to share where we're going? Yes. So it's been on my bucket list for years. It's something that we recently kind of talked about, but um, we are going to be taking a trip over to the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. We are going to be partaking in the Walk with the Spirits tour. I'm so excited. I've been wanting to go there forever, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. I mean, because I was honestly more or I was excited about the Winchester Mystery House before I even knew it was connected to the Haunted Mansion. Don't they do like a seance, too? I believe this one does. Uh, It's only, I believe, an hour tour, but I believe there's something with a seance included. That's why it's called Walk with the Spirits. I wish it was more than an hour, but I mean, I'm going to try to get all the information I can within an hour. I know during the Halloween season, they have more of a spooky like ghost tour with, I believe they're actually doing a paranormal investigation the day before we actually get there. So I'm sad we're going to miss that. But but yes, I am so excited for this. I'm so excited too. And you have other big news that you would like yes. to share. So I can make this official now because I did give my notice in at work and I am moving back to the Midwest. Um, I'm going to be sad that I'm going to be further away from the happiest place on earth, but I decided, you know, I need to be back with family and it'll be really nice to see all my nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters and everyone in the family. So I am actually going to be moving back mid-April. We'll still obviously continue the podcast and do what we're doing now, but I just wanted to give you a little detail into my life right now. So that's what's happening. And you're still going to come back and visit. It's not oh, like I mean, you're not going to yeah. be here. No, exactly. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but with this new job offering I have, I'll have more time and income to come visit more. Be able to stay at your place if you have yep. me. So. <laughs> We'll be able to, you know, go to the parks, I think almost even more now. It'll be nice that if, you know, Chris and I can stay together, then I can actually do a podcast in person. That would be a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Now on to this episode's discussion topic. Welcome, foolish mortals. For this discussion topic, we wanted to discuss a Disney legend and Imagineer, Yale Gracie. Before we dive in, let's discuss why Yale Gracie is important in the Disney story. Personally, I feel like he's one of the more interesting Imagineers in terms of his life story. Although he's not my all-time favorite Imagineer, that distinction for me goes to Mary Blair, who was a trailblazer as a female Imagineer in the early history of the parks and whose contribution to set design is truly an artistic marvel. But she's the topic for another time. Back to Yale Gracie, this is a mansion-centric podcast, and he was truly important to the development of the Haunted Mansion. The practical effects that he designed still hold up today, going on six decades later. And that lasting achievement is worth celebrating. He truly put his stamp on the mansion and is even immortalized as the title character of the mansion, Master Gracie. By the way, how cool is it that Disney honors the cast and crew in this unique way, of making their name live on within the attraction. That is, I I love it. I love seeing all the little hints and nods to the cast and crew. That's one thing I just love about Disney. They just have all these hidden details and it's to honor the people that, you know, made this attraction happen. It's truly special. I mean, different Imagineers get a Main Street window if they're 
very lucky if they've, you know, worked really hard within the company and contributed. But to have your name on a tombstone, that's something else entirely. I would personally love my name on a tombstone rather than a window because that is just me. (laughs) But mansion aside, his contributions to the Walt Disney Company are numerous and noteworthy. So let's get into his life story. Alex, tell us about his early life. Yale Wilbur Gracie was born on September 3rd, 1910 in Shanghai, China. His dad, Wilbur T. Gracie, was a consul, which is why Yale was born abroad. His dad was like a diplomat. And actually, okay. it's I I dove so deep into this guy's family. I um actually found on the Teddy Roosevelt archives a letter that he wrote to an official in China about their violation of a trade treaty. Like his oh, dad was very important in this realm. According to D23.com, a young Yale attended an English boarding school, then moved to the United States upon graduating. He then attended the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Gracie joined the Walt Disney Company in 1939, where he started as a layout artist on the classic animated film Pinocchio. He also worked as a layout artist on Fantasia, which came out the same year as Pinocchio in 1940. Additionally, Yale provided layout art and did background work on several animated shorts, including The Three Caballeros. According to one Mouse Planet article written by Jim Corcus, During his time at the studio, he worked on most of the Donald Duck shorts that were directed by Jack Hanna. For reference here, Hanna directed 65 Donald Duck shorts and is himself a Disney legend. Jack Hanna's unit was eventually shut down when Disney halted production on the animated shorts and most of that team left Disney in 1959. But for Mr. Gracie, this was really the beginning of a new chapter in his career. At this time, Yale had caught the attention of Walt Disney himself. On Gracie's lunch hour, he would spend his time creating various gadgets, which made him an ideal candidate for the work that was being done at WED Enterprises. For a bit of background here, WED, which was so named for Walt Disney, those are his initials, so Walter Elias Disney, was created in 1952 by Walt himself to aid in the development of Disneyland. WED was the precursor to Walt Disney Imagineering, which is what it became known as in 1986 and remains known as today. I actually didn't know that it was just renamed in 1986. I thought it was renamed a lot earlier than that, which I found that to be interesting. According to D23.com, his official job title in those early WED days was as a special effects and lighting artist, although he didn't have formal training in this realm. Remember, Yale studied and has experience as a classic artist, but his real penchant for special effects design was noticed by many at the company, including, most importantly, Walt himself. There's one anecdote that appears on several different sources that states that Walt was poking around the offices and found a mock-up Gracie had made of falling snow and was understandably impressed. One thing about the company in those days, and Walt in particular, is that the talents such as Yale Gracie had were nurtured and encouraged. He was given the freedom to experiment, to research, and develop his illusions. John Hench, the Imagineer responsible for creating Space Mountain and Senior Vice President of Creative Development at Imagineering, indicated that while Yale wasn't always the best at adhering to deadlines, he was creative and talented enough to come up with amazing effects. 
The Mouse Planet article we referred to earlier, which we will link in the show notes, indicated that one of Gracie's tasks was to refresh some of the Fantasyland dark ride effects, including Alice in Wonderland. He came up with the endless steam pouring from the Mad Hatter's kettle. He was also teamed up with Rolly Crump during this time, and together they updated a volcano effect in Peter Pan's flight. This was during a time when screens and computer graphics weren't in use. So these are all practical effects, which I think makes them all the more impressive. I also saw in a fresh baked Secrets in History of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride video, which oddly and coincidentally enough, I am briefly in along with my daughter because we just happened to be there when they were filming. I saw that Yale worked on Toad, and since Toad was an opening day attraction in 1955, and he wasn't at WED yet at this time, the best I can tell is that he worked on revamping some of Toad's effects. In fact, Fresh Baked shows a picture of him inside the attraction as he was featured in a magazine article, which I actually was able to locate in the Walt Disney Family Museum archives. And of course, we will link that in the show notes as well. At this time, he and Crump also started working on early concept design for the Haunted Mansion. The 1960s were a busy time for Gracie and his colleagues as they simultaneously worked on mansion concept design, developed Pirates of the Caribbean, and contributed in various ways to the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. Regarding the latter, Yale helped develop the carousel progress, in particular an effect for the project that used pixie dust projection technology to block scene changes, according to D23.com. This tech was also later used in Space Mountain to disguise the coaster's structure. Regarding his work on pirates, you know the iconic fireflies in the bayou scene? Yale created them without even having seen an actual firefly in real life, at least according to legend. In 2010, Imagineer Rock Hall notably remarked in an interview that many updates to the Firefly effect were attempted, but none of the degree of success to the original Yale Gracie design provided. Gracie also created the infamous burning village scene in the Pirates attraction. I say infamous because the effect was so realistic that when Pirates was being developed, the Anaheim Fire Department asked for a fail-safe feature that automatically shuts off the fire effect in the event of real fire so that the guests, cast, and fire department could differentiate between the two. We also found a very cool photo from the Walt Disney archives of Yo Gracie casually smoking his pipe while our pirate village burns in the background, which we will, of course, provide in the show notes. But it's Yale's work on the Haunted Mansion that cements him as Disney legend, at least in our humble opinion. Now, there are two things from a young, shy Yale Gracie's childhood that are worth mentioning here. The first is that he devoured a series called The Boy Mechanic that was produced by the long-running science and technology magazine, Popular Mechanics. I checked and you can actually still buy a derivative version of the original series on Amazon that includes over 350 projects you can build at home. And it's not expensive either, which I thought was pretty cool. Anyway, this series took root in young Yale Gracie's imagination and inspired his affinity for building gadgets and creating illusions. In fact, he first read about the Pepper's ghost effect, which he will later use in the mansion's iconic ballroom scene in this book series. The second noteworthy childhood event is that, at least according to Rolly Crump, Yale Gracie encountered a ghost at the age of 10 when he was visiting his aunt. 
put together with his penchant for figuring out how to create practical effects while working alongside a team of talented Imagineers, he was the perfect person for the job of bringing the mansion's haunts to life. Some of the special effects that Gracie was responsible for in the Haunted Mansion include the bus at the end of the hallway of portraits, whose gaze appears to follow you as you walk by, the coffin inhabitant in the conservatory just before the corridor of doors that demands to be let out, Madame Leota, which as far as I can tell, was one of the first uses of projection mapping technology at a Disney park, the use of Pepper's ghost to make the ballroom scene come to life, and the singing bus in the graveyard. His use of simple but effective practical effects and his ability to borrow from old vaudevillian magic tricks compiled with his true innovation, experimenting, and tinkering are why his special effects still hold up in the mansion today, 55 years later. That is just crazy. All the effects that you just mentioned are why I love the Haunted Mansion. Um, there and might the even be more. I don't know because I... I don't know if that's an exhaustive list either of everything that he did. And I also know that a lot of what he came up with, along with Rolly Crump, was never actually put into use, which I believe you're going to talk about here as well. No, of course. And and just, I guess, a side note right here, the fact that these practical effects are still being used today. We have all this technology, but yet they still stand the test of time. That is just so amazing to me. In some cases, they haven't found a better way to redo those effects. So, I mean, his original effects hold up. It's also worth mentioning here that many of the effects he and Rolly Crump came up with for the Haunted Mansion were scrapped when the concept was switched from a walkthrough attraction to what is eventually evolved to the Omnimover system. During the development of the attraction, there were many ideas thrown around that either evolved or got scrapped, and that we discussed in episode three of the Swinging Wake podcast. So go listen if you haven't already. And there may be other effects that he was responsible for that fly under the radar. So this may not be a comprehensive anthology of his work. But what we hope to convey is that with the use of lighting and sculpture, smoke and mirrors, audio animatronic and projection mapping technology, he blended the sophisticated with the simplistic to create lasting effects. Eventually, his time formally ended with the company when he retired after 36 years on October 4th, 1975. I say his time formally ended because, like many Imagineers, he didn't close the door on working with Disney. For instance, he consulted for the Walt Disney Company on some of the East Coast projects, including the Epcot attraction, World of Motion, which is no longer open. Gracie lived a fairly quiet life during retirement. Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough to write an autobiography. Although, even if he had lived a long life, there's no guarantee we would have learned more about him as he was not a self-promoter and preferred a private life. Backing up a bit in his timeline, Yale had married his wife, Beverly, in 1947, and they went on to have two sons and several grandchildren and great-grandchildren together eventually. Fast forward to September of 1983, He and his wife were members of the Bel Air Bay Club, where they had a cabana they stayed in. And apparently they were there most weekends in his retirement. So it was very common for them to be staying in their little cabana. The Bel Air Bay Club is in the Palisades, a very swanky area of Los Angeles. It still exists today, by the way. You can get married there. You can also stay in one of nine guest rooms in the 1927 Spanish-style mansion. On September 5th, 1983... And by the way, this is two days after his 73rd birthday. 
While staying here with his wife, an unknown assailant came in and shot both Gracie and his wife, Beverly, while they slept. Gracie passed away that night while his wife was taken to a hospital in Santa Monica, where she recovered from her four gunshot wounds. And I found her obituary. She actually lived a very full life after this tragic event, ultimately peacefully passing away at the age of 95 in 2017. The entire event was very mysterious. For one thing, I've read that it was a burglar that broke in and shot them. Although according to an interview Beverly gave with investigators, the assailant came in, fired several rounds, then fled before a neighbor eventually reported the attack. To this day, no suspects, possible motives, and no leads in the case have been found. With that, the master of illusion was gone. His legacy lives on, though. In 1999, he was posthumously given the honor of being inducted as a Disney legend. And according to one Facts and Figment article, cast members at the Haunted Mansion in Magic Kingdom honored the extraordinary Imagineer by placing a red rose on Master Gracie's grave. According to the article, they do this every day with the tradition dating back to Yale's passing in the 1980s. Yes, that was a very tragic event right there. And the fact that they still honor him and that's just so heartwarming when they place that red rose to honor him every day. True. And I mean, it's only at the one in Magic Kingdom because... His tombstone in Disneyland, if you remember, was up on a hillside. So there's no way that you could safely access that. Although with the refurb, that is no longer there. With that, we want to leave you all with the inscription on Master Gracie's tomb, as it reads in Magic Kingdom and used to at Disneyland before the refurb of the grounds. Master Gracie laid to rest. No mourning, please, at his request. Farewell. I just I get chills every time I read that. And then it means so much as a mortician to read that. Uh, I know. I know. I I thought that that was the most fitting way to conclude this episode. Exactly. And no mourning, please, at his request. I mean, that is just beautiful. And so I, I don't I don't have words for it. I just get chills every time I read it. It is. It is. Well, listeners, this concludes our episode about Disney legend and Imagineer Yell Gracie. We would love to hear your feedback. You can email us at feedback at swingingwakepodcast.com or feel free to leave a comment on our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Swinging Wake Podcast. Also, would you be so kind to leave us a five-star review where you listen to this podcast? It really helps our podcast get noticed so other foolish mortals can find us. Until next time, we hope you all have a delightfully unlivable time until you return for our next episode of the Swinging Wake Podcast. Hurry back. (laughs) 